This is Laughs and Littles, a conversation about friendship and faith in the midst of motherhood. Life with Littles is better when we do it together. So grab a load of laundry and join us for some laughs. So we've made friends in our new (laughs) neighborhood. And um, the family we're like closest to, uh, her high school age brother lives with them and is like doing his online school. Mm Mm-hmm. And the first time he like came out of his room, like he had like a 15 minute break from school and he came out of his room and he's like, he's 15, but he's tall. He's like a tall, lanky guy. Zaylee just like flipped out. (laughs) She was like so thrown off. Where did you come from? (laughs) Yes. So scared. I was scared. I don't know. She was just like screaming at him. And then... (laughs) Then flash forward to today where like we're at the park and he shows up, I think it was his lunch break and he just brought a football to like throw around and she was like, it's Griffin and <laughs> runs over to him. She's like his <laughs> biggest fan now and was Aww. like, he threw the football across the park and she would like sprint to go get it, <laughs> like bring it back to him. And she's and so just, small. She's so small. And I'm like, I think. This might be like her first crush. Like it feels oh, yeah. like that. Her level of <laughs> it's infatuation. Yes. yes. That is really cute to see. I love that. You've done a great job of making friends. Thank you. I've been super impressed with you. <laughs> oh. Take Lord and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will. All I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. This episode is sponsored by Kids Liturgy. Heidi and Mark Witt produce these high-quality, completely free, 25-minute videos on the Sunday liturgy. They started in March when kids couldn't get to Mass, and they just kept going. And we, both our kids love it and watch it every week. Yes, even yeah. even though we are going to mass, but it's because it's still. I feel like it brings them like a connection point when going to mass can feel very sterile because of all the sanitation, <laughs> you know. Which praise God that we're there, but um, I feel like watching the liturgy keeps it warm. But it airs also on CatholicTV.org, but it's free on YouTube. You just search Kids Liturgy, and we'll put it in the show notes with a link that will actually take you. Um, to like their YouTube and all their social media pages, including like a blurb you could put in your church's bulletin um, so that like your whole parish can watch. But she sings all the opening songs and she teaches sign language and she reads the gospel and explains it with pictures and the creed with pictures. She's like, it's just, it's, it's so high quality. She speaks slowly. She gives t- kids time mm-hmm. to think and process yeah, my girls love her. You feel like she's hugging you when she smiles. Yeah. Okay, and so this week was the gospel reading for Matthew with the parable of the father asking his sons to go to work in the vineyard and how, like, one son said yes, but then he didn't go, and the other son said no, but then he, you know, changed his heart. And then he came, and Jesus was talking about how... um to the chief priests and how how sinners and the prostitutes, which Heidi in her video called 
like sinful women or something. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> like Jesus was like, the prostitutes will, you know, come into heaven more easily because <laughs> their hearts are changed. But so she used this week these like teddy bears and she had this like dad, like teddy bear dad. And the dad was like, it's time to come in from baseball. And like the, the teddy bears with the brothers and, I, and the kids, oh my gosh, they just like were so sucked into this and how it was like so relatable of like coming into play or like coming in from playing when you don't want to come in, but like the son who then obeyed his father and they just, they loved it. And I was clapping for Heidi (laughs) over here. (laughs) Oh, and the coloring page. Yeah. There's a weekly coloring page that goes with it and she's just really good at connecting with the like three to six year old age range. It's great. Mm -hmm. And when I was, putting together our flyer to show that Heidi's our sponsor Paul saw my computer and he was like Miss Heidi (laughs) (laughs) all right so today we're talking about our conversion story conversion story Annie has a really good story Uh, I feel really nervous though just because it's like a lot to relive and it happened it feels like it happened so long ago but it's not that long ago I grew up with (laughs) seeing the words and getting nervous because I know my parents listen to this, but I will say (laughs) that I grew up with pretty anti-Catholic parents. They are no longer like that. (laughs) They're not anti-Catholic. But I feel like I did grow up with a lot of, and, and I say that because you did not. Yeah, I did not. Yeah, and it's just to emphasize the point of like, for me, it was coming from a world Catholics are praying to Mary, super evil, heretical, kissing rings, doing weird stuff. <laughs> Came from like definitely thinking that probably most Catholics are not going to heaven. I had one Catholic friend growing up and like one Catholic acquaintance. So Alex and I got married and we. We were together for like five years before we got married. So, and I'd known him for years before that. So I like did my due diligence of like knowing him. Yeah. (laughs) I signed the contract with full knowledge of what I was getting into. (laughs) But then after we'd been married for nine months, literally this is how it happened. I was at work, I was teaching full time, and we lived right next to, we were living in California, right next to one of one of the Franciscan missions in California, and San Luis Rey Mission, and he like randomly went to a noonday mass while I was at work, <laughs> and he literally came home, and he said, I'm becoming Catholic. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like my first thought, like no build up no buildup. Um, he had definitely like been searching for more and he'd been depressed, but like it wasn't something that I really understood like how deep his sadness was for more. Cause like we, we were like doing it right. We had like, you know, so many of our friends and like in that age group were like church hopping and like not getting involved. And we got married. We were like, we're getting married. We like became, you know, members at a church. We got into a Bible study. Like I was not unsatisfied with my faith at all. 
and I didn't know that he was. <laughs> um, yeah, so he announced he, becoming, he was becoming Catholic. Didn't like tell me to, obviously, but just was like, yeah, I'm definitely doing this. <laughs> and so like, what did you do with that? <laughs> my first, my very first thought was I did not sign up for this. <laughs> like I just got married, you know, and, and with the true intention of like divorce is not an option. Like, you know, I am now stuck. Like I, that's what my first thought was like, I'm stuck. <laughs> um, cause you went in willingly. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Which would not have been me. So thank, thank goodness it all worked out the way it did for us. But okay. So he had gone to Notre Dame in college and He'd, he'd been in Europe. He had been reading the Church Fathers when he was in college. And he says, like, when he was at that noon mass at San Luis Mission, which a lot of people went to, you know, he always talks about that growing up, he thought that, like, people just, like, don't go to mass anymore. And, like, the Catholic Church is just kind of, like, dying out. And then, like, when he was in Europe and, like, here in, um, at the mission, he's like, this is, this is full. Like, people are coming from work on their lunch break and going to mass. Like, people are choosing this. Like, this is, this is a hopping, (laughs) hopping place to be. But you said at, like, at that mass, when the priest held up Jesus in the host, that he, he just, knew that that was Jesus. And I can only accredit that to just Alex being given completely the grace of having that understanding. Yeah. Because that for me was just so not the case. I don't know that it is for most people. But he just literally saw him holding up the Eucharist and and he says he was thinking like, that is Jesus. I don't care what I have to do. I want that. That's amazing. And that God knew like that's what it would take to get you to come into the church. Your sexuality is good, holy, and beautiful. If that doesn't feel true, you're in the right place. We believe Jesus knows your sexual brokenness and is inviting you to wholeness. We hope to bring you that invitation every week as we explore topics from friendship to fantasy, loneliness to lust, and more. We are dedicated to helping you connect your struggle story and your story to God, because every bit of you is sacred by design. (laughs) Because never in hell would I become Catholic. I remember driving in my car after the point that I had decided and we were, we'd planned the date of when we were coming in and I was saying the word, so I'm like by myself and I go, I'm becoming Catholic. I'm becoming Catholic because that word Catholic was still so weird on my tongue. It was such like a bizarre word to use. And I was like, get it and get out. Like, it was just so, it's so weird for me. (laughs) But okay, so he told me about that. And then we, we had such a good relationship too. Like I said, we'd been together for so many years and, you know, tiffs, but like work it out and, but this, we just like fought. We fought completely every day. Nothing could we talk about without it becoming a fight about this. 
And like, I remember texting one of his good friends and being like, I feel like my marriage is falling apart. Mm. And, and I was really pissed off. Cause I was like, I did all of this, right? Like, this is not what I signed up for. And I was literally, you know, like holding on my two hands being like, I have to choose between like my husband who I just like promised in front of everyone that I would follow his spiritual leading as the spiritual leader of this household or like I was like but what if he and then the other hand I was like but what if he's following the devil like what do I do like that was my (laughs) oh gosh and um I went to a dinner I remember with one of his new friends who was about to become into the about to come into the church this friend who is ended up being Alex's sponsor and Clara's godfather who we all went to dinner and everyone thought that like I was also converting because I think everyone knew Alex was obviously already on board <laughs> and people just assumed that I was there and um my my now obviously friend Kara was there and she was just like super excited about life and she's just like a super extrovert and super in love with the Catholic Church and I was just like so pissed off that I was here at this dinner <laughs> didn't understand what confirmation was anyway she's now Paul's godmother and then <laughs> and then another friend um who I talk to all the time still, Becca, and she was pregnant with her first, and she just, she wears this huge gold, like, cross all the time, every day, um, still to this day. It's such a great witness. Mm. And I was just like, ugh. And I told Alex, I was like, you just like her because she's Catholic and pregnant, and, like, you just want me to be Catholic and pregnant. <laughs> These are, like, you know, my, my super close friends now. And just like the hate, the hatred I had, uh, because because it just felt like oh, this there's this club, yeah. There's the, and like why do I have to become a part of this club? It just anyway. So for a while we tried to do like going to the non-denominational church and mass, and then for a while like Alex went to mass without me, and then he would go like with me also to the non-denominational church. And I just, like, didn't like the Catholic Church. And I and I was there because I was, like, dissecting every single thing. And every single thing that was being said or prayed about, I was like, show me in the Bible. Which most of it is from the Bible. I just <laughs> Or, like, the, the words, like, verbatim is what I mean, are, like, from the Bible. Yeah. So this is just, like, a four months. I remember the only time that we literally would not fight is when we were, like, watching this show. We, like, picked a show to watch every few nights. And that was, like, a break from fighting <laughs> about this. <laughs> oh, and I remember thinking, like, man, I'm going to be sitting in the Catholic Church for the rest of my life, like, with my children sitting next to me, going up to receive communion, mm-hmm. and, like, me sitting in the pew. Like, this is going to be so bad for our marriage and so bad for our family. But, like, I have to choose Jesus over, like, the devil. <laughs> so... <laughs> over my husband this is this is my mindset okay but then I listened to Jennifer Fulweiler's conversion story because my one Catholic friend growing up God bless her knew that Alex was becoming Catholic and she knew that like I was wanting to find out more and she gave me like 20 of these Catholic lighthouse media cds 
when we all listen to CDs. <laughs> and on like Lighthouse Catholic Media, how she became a Christian, which was just like a huge leap for her. And then she was really struggling with like how does this religion work and how does truth work Mm. and that's what really got me because she started because for me it's still like I'm still stuck on like there's so much that I'm hearing from the Catholic faith that I don't see in my Bible yeah and a lot of that is just not seeing parts of the Bible and I had I had a a minor in biblical studies at this point I'd taken like 30 units on biblical studies and grown up in a great Christian household that like studied the Bible. So I was very I was very much stuck on like where is it in the Bible? Like these things. So Jennifer Fullwater talks about how for so many years people did not have the Bible. Um, like the mass public. And if you did, like also you have to be literate. I remember being at like a Bible study. Um, during the process of converting at like a non-denominational Bible study. And this lady was bashing the Catholic Church, talking about how, well, you know, they used to like chain their Bible to the church. You know, nobody could take it home. <laughs> I was like, because they only had one Bible, <laughs> like for the whole city. <laughs> like people don't remember that. And, and like the print, like the printing press is like, you know, that, so anyway, the thought of like, how did people come to Jesus before the Bible? And like, how are these, how do we decide what books are in the Bible? I mean, I even remember asking my dad that as a kid, like, how do we know the books in the Bible are supposed to be in the Bible? And he was like, yeah, you know, like a council prays and decides. A Catholic council. <laughs> yeah. Which, <laughs> which, like, that's kind of a crazy thought. Like, I don't... <laughs> people just decide, like, they sit in a room, pray, like, God, like, you know, please help. Like, why is that decision protected by God more than, like, any other decision you could make? And if we can have, like, any certainty about that, you know... Why can't we have certainty about other things? So so that really started me thinking about the magisterium. And um, Jennifer Fulweiler kind of makes the comparison of like our forefathers leaving us the Constitution didn't just say like, here are the rules to society, do with it what you will, but instead left us a governing force. And it's an interpretations, and it's a living document, in a sense. And, and of course, that's a flawed analogy because I'm sure we're not living out our society exactly as the forefathers planned, and we have corrupt leaders now. But we have corrupt leaders in the Catholic Church as well, so it's a good analogy there. But also, like, even through all these corrupt you know, leaders and people in the Catholic Church, like the Catholic Church still stands today. And that is, hearing that is definitely a testimony to just the validity of the church. It's, it's one element 
Um, there are a lot of elements. I don't think there's any one thing that someone hears and they're like, that's why I'm Catholic, other than Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I started thinking a lot about the magisterium and about considering the possibility that Christ would have used Peter to be, you know, the founder of his church. I remember even saying to Becca at that point, I was like, I've never read that passage in the Bible where Jesus says, upon this rock, I build my church. And she was like, yeah, it's kind of an important one. <laughs> Very lovingly. Um, and the thought, the thought that there could be a living, breathing church to help with a lot of these issues. And before becoming Catholic, when we were engaged, I really struggled with the concept of birth control. And I went to multiple Christian leaders that I respected and got really bad answers because I was convicted about it, but I had no idea what else to do because I knew I didn't want to get pregnant and I just saw no other good possibilities. So, you know, the evangelical church is really split on what they believe about natural family planning and about birth control and on, you know, abortion and euthanasia. And, and these are, the, and so I started thinking like, these are like big issues. This is not like, oh yeah, we can disagree about it as long as we agree that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. These are like life and death issues. Like Jesus cares about life and death issues. He's got to have an answer mm -hmm. on these issues that like he wants us all to accept his truth on. Like there has to be a truth and how do we know the truth? That was, that was really my big question of like, how is it possible that there are hundreds and hundreds of Protestant denominations and we're basically all just like trying to go with this system of read your Bible and interpret your Bible. And Alex and I had like gone to a um, like family friend dinner and we're a lot of the adults that were ex-Catholics. And one of the ladies said to Alex, she was like, you know, it, ha it has to be from the Bible. <laughs> and, and he was like 80% of, very kindly, but he was like 80% of the sermon you listen to on Sundays is commentary. <laughs> and then once you start going to mass, you're like, oh, they read the Bible for like 10 minutes and then they talk about it for like five minutes. And then they like say the Bible in the prayers for like 20 minutes. And then it's like way more scripture over and over and over again. Um. <laughs> oh gosh. Catholic Answers. I started listening a lot to Catholic Answers and that helped me a lot too. But really the, the concept of like, if Christ established his church, if there is a magisterium and if Christ's hand and the Holy Spirit is truly guiding their teachings, then that's it. Like any teaching thus forth 
if if I don't agree with it, I have to like find a way or, or like like pray that God would change my heart because of like if it's from God, then it's from God. It's either from God or it's not. But I have heard that it's it's very like pompous or presumptuous to think that like any religion gets everything right. And I go, well, it's not that Catholics get everything right. It's that it's like a very big distinction of the teachings of the magisterium in the Catholic catechism are protected like from the Holy Spirit. It it is God's truth and it we need we need more. How would you say that? No, yeah, I I'm following your train of thought because it's like I have to trace this church back. Like is this actually if this is actually Jesus's church, then I will submit to its authority because mm-hmm. I'm a follower of Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. cool. So that makes makes some sense. <laughs> but that that thought though was just very, very bizarre to me that there could be one church that was still very new, and I was still very much hung up on like, why do I have to become Catholic? Because then I like kind of got over it and I was like, okay, but now what do I have to become? Like that feels very weird and ritualistic. Like I've already said that Jesus is my savior. Yeah. Why do I have to do anything more? (laughs) Which a lot of things I feel like became a lot more clear to me after I jumped. And once I became Catholic and was receiving every week and receiving the graces from the sacraments, God showed me much more. And with each like passing week, I felt like I could see the puzzle pieces of like the world of my soul, of truth, of faith, of the church coming together and seeing like all of these things maybe like I'd find out something like a new teaching or tradition of the church and I'd be like weird (laughs) and then (laughs) and then you get more and more of those puzzle pieces and more like answers to questions that I'd had for years and I'm like oh it it all fits together like it all fits like my intuition that um God wanted us to be open to life and not use contraception. And like, I remember even writing an essay in college when I was getting my minors in biblical studies on Jesus's super explicit teaching of Mm -hmm. marriage and divorce and remarriage, which was something that I had like had questions about as a child. And in the evangelical world, no one, I could find no one that was like, yes, divorce and remarriage like Jesus explicitly (laughs) talks about this and like says that it's adultery like people get so uncomfortable when you because they know someone because they know someone who got married and didn't work out and they divorced and then they married this wonderful person and it's great and so to talk about this makes people super duper uncomfortable but seeing how all of these teachings from the catholic church truly like make sense and fit together 
and just like that God's plan is perfect. I just started seeing like the puzzle pieces coming together, but this was all after I became Catholic. I really do feel like I had to jump in because it was four months after Alex announced he was becoming Catholic that this all happened. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So did you get kind of like, you got to like, all right, I can feel like I can submit to the authority and I can just trust that the rest of my life I'll be learning this. So you came in with a lot of questions and tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And very uncomfortable with Mary still. Like, I had one rosary. I think I'd prayed the rosary once or twice. But I was like, ah. <laughs> Like, like in a sense, I remember Alex giving me the rosary and being like, I love this and I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know Mary's my mother, but it's also weird because I don't know her. <laughs> We're strangers. <laughs> it's like, it's like if you were finding your adoptive mother. And you have to, like, go meet up with her. And you're like, hi. <laughs> Never talked to you before. <laughs> okay. But I thought I would have more time. From the moment that I, like, decided, I thought we would have another, like, 8 to 12 months. Because we had missed Easter. And we, like, hadn't been formally going. We'd, we'd gone to, like, a few of the RCIA classes but we hadn't like been formally going, but we had been meeting with um, our priest who was just so fantastic. He's just the best shepherd ever. I really always say he just like took us under his wings and we'd been doing a lot of study on our own, like extensive studies. And Alex was meeting with some guys, some Catholic guys going over the compendium and I was reading a lot. And I remember reading First, um, First Corinthians, uh, dissecting it. And I was like, "Oh man, this sounds really Catholic." Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to go through the Bible again and figure it out. <laughs> oh, but they talk about like not how you you must not receive in an unholy manner, and that people were like dying because they were receiving the Eucharist in an unholy manner, like bringing dishonor upon themselves. Mm. And that's like, you know, why it's important for us to like not be living in mortal sin when we go to receive. And I was like, oh, this, how did I miss this? (laughs) Yeah, yes. I resonate with that. Okay, so I thought I had like a year. Didn't. (laughs) But I got to the point, this, this was like the one Sunday where my mind exploded because so I don't know how. Somehow I, well, I knew I was going to become Catholic. So I was like, okay, so I should start going to confession, which you're not supposed to do. You're, <laughs> you're supposed to. How are you supposed to do it? Yeah, you're supposed to do your first confession right before confirmation, like together. Yes, like it's a duel. <laughs> but I don't know, I just... I, <laughs> that's what you were supposed to do so I went (laughs) and I had you know like the long laundry list my first five confessions were just like long laundry lists of like you know my whole life (laughs) and then it got so much easier 
Um, still my favorite sacrament. But I went, and one of the things that I confessed was being on birth control <laughs> with no intention of stopping. Because I was like, I'll stop in like three months because I'll have figured out what to do <laughs> then. <laughs> I didn't say that to the priest. I just confessed being on birth control. And this priest, it was not the priest who, who knew us really well. And he was so loving. And he he doesn't know me. He, he probably, he, I mean, he does. He thinks I'm Catholic. He thinks I'm like, you know, <laughs> choosing this. <laughs> and he goes, okay, well, you need to stop. And, and and I was like, what? What? No, I was just coming to tell you <laughs> to let you know I've confessed it. <laughs> but he said it. And I was like, okay, yep, 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 okay. And so I'm. That is what I'm processing at the moment. And I'm walking outside, just thinking like, I took my last pill last night. Like, and just, like, the blood draining from my face. Like, what am I going to do now? I have to figure this out. ASAP. <laughs> and we go outside. And the the priest um, who brought us into the church, he, we're chatting with him. And he just, he pulled out his phone. And he was like, yeah, next month, you guys can come into the church. <laughs> And, and Alex and I, just like little chicks sitting there. Okay, like what? And he was like March or May, whatever it was. It was Pentecost Sunday. He was like, the bishop can't come, but he's given me the <laughs> the permission, and you can get confirmed then. And it was it ended up being like us, and I think maybe one or two other adults, you know, and then like 35, 15 year olds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh, um, so that, like that day, I remember so vividly because it was like the day that I went to confession, determined I was going to stop using contraception and like 30 days before committing my life. (laughs) It's like getting married. And that's, that's like what I realized after I came into the church of this whole, like, why do I have to become Catholic? Because it's like a marriage commitment to Jesus's church, to Jesus's community. Yeah, you're not always going to agree on everything, but you can't just walk away and start your own church. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, and then I had, yeah, trouble finding an NFP practitioner because I didn't know that many Catholic people. <laughs> I knew, like, maybe five Catholic people at this point, and I'm messaging who can help me? <laughs> what do I do? And then I listened to this amazing talk called uh, I think Green Sex by Jason Everett, which he talks and really convicted me about, you know, why it's so important to not use con- contraception and why it's so important to be open to life. But I still left that talk being like, but what do I actually do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... um I found a sponsor. This is very similar to my godparent situation, which we'll do an episode on later. She, I like barely met her. And I was like, would you like to be my sponsor? <laughs> so embarrassed. And she was super honored. And 
came and supported me and she ended up being very helpful and influential to me later on when I was having a real struggle and yeah it was just so like it all it all came together and on the Sunday Pentecost Sunday when we came into the church they asked us to bring up the gifts together um they were like, oh, you guys are married and coming in together. Like, bring up the gifts. And I'm like, you know, shaking with. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so like, and th- that for me, I was like, oh, this is like a wedding procession. Yeah. Like I'm walking up. And I remember bringing up the gifts and the priest, he, he like, oh, he just, he whis- he leaned down and whispered to us. And he goes, welcome to the supper of the lamb. <laughs> and we were just like, ah! oh, that brings that really brings me chills to think about that. That's my story. <laughs> oh, jump in. Okay, my story. So my story starts with Chris. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was the first you know, really identifying, really practicing Catholic that I had met. And, um, I was just really fascinated by him and cause he seemed like he really loved Jesus and like really loved studying the Bible. (laughs) But, um, then had these like, you know, it's like, why do you, you actually go to mass? Like, what do you, why do you go to mass? And what is mass? All these like, you know, weird things. Um, and yeah, so I had met him, I had met him at the end of my freshman year at this, um, week long summer conference with the mostly evangelical college group that we were part of. And he was like the only Catholic. And then a year later, um, we did a summer, summer internship together with, um, university. And so a lot of time spent together and he would go to mass like cause we'd all go to church together on Sunday, but he would go to mass before. And the only one that he could make was a Spanish mass. And I was like, Oh, well I'm studying abroad in Spain mm. in the fall. So I should practice my Spanish. So can I come with you? <laughs> <laughs> so we'd go to mass together and like, I legit understood way more of the homily than he did. So that was kind of fun to like tell him what I heard, but really I just wanted to spend more time with him. <laughs> um, but I was already kind of starting to ask him, mm you know, a lot of questions about mass. Um, and then, yeah, that's like the, you know, summer we fell in love and then we didn't, you know, so I went abroad and we like, didn't talk very much. We weren't dating, but like we had talked, we knew that we liked each other and I didn't tell any of the friends I made in Spain about Chris. Um, Mm. but yeah, God put in my life like that quarter was just such a grace the whole time. I like my prayer life. I just felt so connected to God. And I made this friend who was Catholic. And so I started going to mass with her and I could ask her, I could just, you know, she was like another person I could keep asking all my questions to. And she loved it. She was just like, keep them coming. And she was great. And, um, Mm. and, and that was like another really cool thing to me of like, I can go to this, service that's not in my native language I can uh, you know the form is such I'm going often enough like 
I know how it goes. And I learned the Our Father in Spanish. I could like say it with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had like, I would go up for com- for a blessing, but like no one does that in Spain. Like you would not go to mass if you weren't Catholic. You wouldn't go up if you weren't going to receive. So it was like this, the priest one time was like this very awkward, like he was just looking at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, I already feel out of place here. And I was like, right. right. And then like, he was like, Oh, and like, like gave me a blessing. And I was like mm-hmm. crying on the way back to the pew of just like, ah, feel so awkward. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was already feeling a pull, I guess, obviously, like I wanted to be, I wanted to belong. I wanted to be part of it more. Um, and like thinking like Chris is hearing the same scripture readings back in California in a different language and like just this glimpse of like this global church and this like unified Mm. you know well as far as unity goes in our imperfect world but like striving for unity it was just Mm. like a really cool yeah that blew my mind too that like every parish in the world like on this Sunday is Mm -hmm. hearing the same gospel yeah so back at campus um like I wanted to start dating him. He wanted to start dating me, but he was on my end. It felt like he was very reluctant, but he was like working through all of this. He felt like he had to discern these big questions and like figure (laughs) this stuff out before we started dating, which was like, could he marry someone who was Protestant? Um, Cause he just wanted to, to all be very clear from the beginning. Uh, So, yeah, so right before we started dating, he was like, I can, you know, if this leads to marriage, not trying to be weird, but like, I, I feel like I could marry a Protestant, but I want to raise my kids Catholic and I want to follow church teaching on contraception. And I was like, okay, like, what does that mean? It's heavy. <laughs> I know. I just want to date you. Um, but I was like, what is, <laughs> yeah. So the contraception thing was really like my, my first and biggest hang up because I mm-hmm. was like, you know, I could, I could really see me wanting to marry you at some point And I don't think I want to have 12 kids. Like I was like, <laughs> I had this image of being like barefoot in a cabin with 12 children. And I was like, is that what you're asking of me? Because I don't want that can we go on a date now (laughs) and uh, I was like I don't feel like that's you either like I don't I don't really get this it's always 12 isn't it yeah I don't know some some ridiculous number (laughs) um Hmm. yeah I was like okay we're dating and dating was going great was super fun but then kind of on the side and meanwhile I was like investigating (laughs) this contraception question and natural family planning and Mm -hmm. like what do Catholic marriages actually play out like that are following this openness to life? And his sister invited me to this like small group of Catholic girls on campus, which was really cool to just kind of meet more Catholics Mm -hmm. and they're alive and out there. (laughs) Yeah. And she got us connected to this nurse and Creighton instructor. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I went and learned like the Creighton method and started charting. And I was like, it blew my mind. Mm. I loved it so much. I was like, wow, didn't know any of this about my body. This is like, why didn't I learn this before? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, this is so cool. So that felt very empowering. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And then I went and met with an older friend. Well, now we're actually really good friends, but we were not, I did not know her that well at the time. I was just like, hey, you converted to Catholicism (laughs) and you're married. Like, can you tell me more about NFP? (laughs) And went to her house and um, she like showed me her charts and it was so great. Um, And she she emphasized how it really forced her and her husband to communicate a lot more and a lot more often about her fertility, you know, like obviously her fertility, her body, mucus, like, and I was just like, what? That was really cool to me that like, to see that as a part of marriage of like, not just like, all right, like I got a wife and this is great. I can have sex whenever I want, but like, I am in like a rhythm with my wife's body mm-hmm. as we, but not the rhythm method, not the <laughs> rhythm method. No, no. <laughs> I am closely following her unique charting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and she, then she talked about like the self-control that, that had them constantly, you know, they were constantly growing in and practicing the virtue of self-control as they navigated this. And I was like, when is, when is that ever a bad thing? Like, like, how is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just like these little seeds Mm -hmm. of these seem like good and beautiful truths, a good way to live. Cause nothing in life works like that, that it's just, you can have it all the time and it's always great. And it's always like appropriate for what your body and soul needs. Like nothing is like that. Yeah. So it just felt like, yeah, it began to make more sense to me that I'm practicing these virtues because I will need them for the rest of my life. And it felt like Jesus Mm -hmm. was like, because all of this was super foreign, like super unknown. And I was like, none of the Christians in my life think about this. Like, this is not Mm -hmm. a big deal. This is not a deal at all to them. Like, so that it was something that I was considering so deeply was kind of mind-blowing to me. And, mm-hmm. oh, and, and yeah, in my Christian mm-hmm. formation up until this point, it had been all mm-hmm. about, like, surrender everything in your life to Jesus. Like, give Jesus control over your money, your relationships, sex, in, you know, like, before marriage. How you view, you know justice, how you care for the earth, you know, like invite Jesus into all these areas of your life, but don't let him control your fertility. No. Yeah. (laughs) Family planning. Like that's, that's too far, right? Like no one had ever, ever talked about that as an option at all. So this was just like, yeah, it was really mind blowing to me. It like that made me kind of want to press in more of like, this just seems like a continuation of mm-hmm. what I've been taught. I do want to invite Jesus into all areas of my life. This is a big part of my life, or it will be, hopefully, if I marry this guy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, And it's kind mm-hmm. of insane to think about it because no one else that I know is, do- you know. Anyway, 
but it was just when when Alex converted, he very much was like, I was raised to love God and seek truth. Like I feel like this foundation that I've been given so wonderful the Protestant faith like so many richness so much richness in the Protestant faith is like what has caused me to mm. see, to find Jesus yes. in the Catholic Church I feel like that's what you're saying too is like you were you were taught to have Jesus be there with everything so this makes sense now yes yes yep and so even though stuff started feeling really foreign to me it was like well mm-hmm. Jesus is at the heart of this. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like what you were saying, like this seems to be Jesus's church. It mm-hmm. seems like the focal point of mass is Jesus in the Eucharist. Like it's not the homily. Mm-hmm. It's not the music. It's not the bagels, you know, it, <laughs> it's this Sunday obligation. You know, it's like mm-hmm. there is a point to this and it is Jesus. So all mm-hmm. of that was starting to get to me <laughs> like win win me over um till I got to the point that you know we got engaged and I was very excited to marry Chris and very it didn't feel too difficult to say like yeah I will raise my kids Catholic I will not use contraception mm-hmm. and so we had a Catholic wedding um just the liturgy mm-hmm. of the word. And and I was still mm-hmm. Protestant. So, like, I just wasn't ready yet. I had these issues with Mary. I had a lot of questions still about the Eucharist. But, like, obviously I was very open, right? Like, <laughs> I, yeah. And, I mean, it was, I, it just, it still felt very strange and awkward. Like, meeting with a priest to talk about our wedding, the format that they gave us at the church of like, these are readings you can pick from. And like, these are songs you can pick from. I was like, what? (laughs) It was just, you know, it was not the wedding I had pictured having. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But then it was great. Did you do pre-cana? Is that what it's called? Yes. No, we did an engaged encounter, (laughs) which was like a weekend for engaged Uh couples. Um, Uh Uh-huh. And then our and then our priest had us like check off these other things, but you know we did the like uh, focus inventory, this like mm. really good. It made us talk about a lot of things. You know, it was all good stuff. Cool. cool. Um, yeah, but so so I felt like my framework for what I needed, what it looked like to be ready to like fully jump was that I. You know, not not like you. It was. I thought I had to resolve all of my tensions <laughs> and have all of my questions answered. Um, yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm not there yet. So, <laughs> but so we got married, and I was going to mass with Chris every Sunday. I wasn't going to a Protestant service. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got pregnant with Evangeline, <clears throat> and. A few months into the pregnancy, we went camping for a weekend in Big Sur, and um, we visited this hermitage, the new Kamaldoli Hermitage, which is like a group of monks living together. No. Hermits, but in community. Yeah. <laughs> they each have their own hut where they live. Um, okay. <laughs> and they, you know, 
their daily mass is op- open to visitors. So we went to that and mm. it's just like so beautiful. They sing. It's a small little chapel. You're like overlooking the ocean and mm. for the liturgy of the Eucharist, they invite you up into this like little round room around the altar. Um, so you're like really close to the priest as he's mm. consecrating and yeah. You know. So he, wow. as he was breaking the bread, I just had this crazy mystical experience of like, those are Jesus's hands breaking mm. the bread. Like he, like this is Jesus saying the words. This is Jesus like giving me his body except I couldn't receive it. You know, like (laughs) it just overwhelmed me with this grace of like, this is true. Like this is real. This is for you. And I was just like sobbing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And it was enough of a big, awkward moment for me that I was, (laughs) as we were driving home, I was like, okay, I can't just forget about that. Like I have to, I, f- I have to act off of what just <laughs> happened. And yeah. it feels like the next step is to ask about our CIA at our parish. Mm. Started that journey. It was awkward with the timing because it was after Easter. And I was like, like, right. I'd been ready before I got married in mm. reality. <laughs> so I was really ready now. And I didn't want to wait till September and go through RCA until mm-hmm. spring. I wanted, I went to a few classes and... <laughs> The two women who were doing the class with me were in, like, very different places spiritually. And the questions they were asking were super different than what I was asking. And I was just like, yeah, I'm ready. And the week, I I did get a week on Mary that was really helpful. And that kind of made me realize, okay, Mary is kind of like this intellectual thing. Like, these are, like, head questions for me. Yeah. And they kind of explained the the church's dogma around Mary versus doctrine versus tradition versus whatever. And I was like, okay, okay. Like, I get that. I get it. And, and kind of learning like, yeah, still weird, but like, this is Mm -hmm. like a thing I will grow in appreciating. Um, It's not a deal breaker. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. one of the ladies was asking, how can Mary be the mother of God? And I was like, uh, yeah, because yeah. she is the mother of God. Cause like, because she she's gave God, birth she's to Jesus. Like, <laughs> I don't resonate with that question at all. Um, <clears throat> Let's talk about the assumption, you guys. <laughs> the immaculate conception. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> um, but then it was mostly, it, yeah, it was the Eucharist, and I. Mm-hmm. So I had had that experience, the mystical experience, and it just kind of made me. Yeah, I was like, I am never going to fully be able to rationally wrap my mind around transubstantiation. But Mm. I just, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm like Peter in John 6. You know, like, I don't think Peter really understood it either. But, like, he knew Jesus and Mm. he knew that Jesus was, like, the way and the truth and... He was like, to whom else should I go? Like, you have the words of eternal life. And I was like, I think that's my posture now. And that's Mm. like, that's my posture going in of like, I am just going to trust you on this, Jesus, because Mm -hmm. 
it's very mysterious and hard to believe. Yes. This is a hard but I saying. Want, but I want to like take the next step. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was finally confirmed at the end of October of that year, um, a week after Evangeline mm-hmm. was baptized. And my parents were able to make it. It was like a weekday mass. And it was really nice, really beautiful. We went out to a really good dinner afterwards. How has it been different for you to see like your second and third daughters get baptized once you were Catholic? Yeah. Or has it been? I appreciated it a lot more mm. once I was Catholic of like it being a sacrament. Like under like I didn't mm. really get that was a big thing I had to like wrap my mind around too is sacraments. Um so I was like, okay, yeah, I see this as a sacrament. I see this as like a really important thing. Mm-hmm. And Chris, because Chris with Evangeline was like, when are we going to do that baptism? Like, we got to get on that baptism. And I was like, <laughs> what is the big deal? Like, like I know, <laughs> I know the big deal, but like, we're fine. Like, she's fine. And he was like, like, let's do this. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but no, they've, they've felt like more special each time. Yeah. How old was Evange when she was baptized? They've all been about two months old. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 wasn't like me with the birth certificate. <laughs> no. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, to wrap up today, can you tell me something that made you laugh this week? Mm-hmm. So we went to Mass this week, and we, like, you know, we let the kids play outside for a little bit. We got there a little bit early. And then bringing them in, it's just like, and then like Clara's running ahead and then Paul's running ahead and like, get back and sh- sh- you know, just like that whole song and dance. And then we like finally make it to our pew and like we're shuffling in like, go, go, go. <laughs> but like, you know, quietly <laughs> trying to be and everyone sits down and Paul stands up and like runs out back into the aisle and you're like, no, no. And, and he goes, I forgot to bow. And he like gets on his little knee. Oh. And he bowed. And you're just, oh. <laughs> it made it all better. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's not because he loves you. It's because he has this, you know, beautiful habit that he's learning to to show respect and and honor the lord when we come into his house yeah but and he just the defiance of i am too and i can do it by myself but it was it was still very (laughs) sweet to see oh that's so great well we hope you have a great week with lots of laughs with your littles Mm -hmm.